listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Raising Saints, an AM820 production designed for parents who desire to raise the saints in their life. And now, Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt. Hello and welcome to Raising Saints, the show for Catholic parents. I'm your host, Katie Wyatt, and you're listening to AM820 St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Here on Raising Saints, we talk to teenagers about the topics that matter most, and then we invite you, parents, to listen in on our conversations. And we hope and pray that in joining us, you'll gain wisdom, courage, insight to have these conversations with your own Catholic teenagers. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, we are here today to talk about the Eucharist. Uh, this is a topic that I personally am very excited to talk about, <laughs> the most important element of my faith as a Catholic. And of course, we all know it's described as our church as the source and summit of Christian life. And it just so happens that the teenagers joining us today are also very passionate about the Eucharist. So um, let me go ahead and introduce our guests today. We have Evan, who is a student at Bishop Hartley High School and a parishioner at St. Catherine. And we have Ray, who is a student at St. Charles and St. Charles Preparatory School. Did I say that right? I always want to get that right for oh, you, St. Right. Charles guys. And also a prisoner at St. Catherine. So thank you guys for being here today. Um, so let's just kind of lay some groundwork about Eucharist. How, how has your personal understanding of the Eucharist and the true presence in the Blessed Sacrament changed throughout your life? Um, I think recently is it's matured a lot in the past couple of years because I am I'm a guy who kind of likes a lot of concrete answers and things of that sort. And with the Eucharist, it's kind of hard to function on that mindset because there there's a lot of just it's a lot up in the air and there's like a lot of faith that's involved in it. And and so I didn't really know that there were as many of the Eucharistic miracles as there are. So now I'm more of more understanding and more in love with the Eucharist in a lot of different ways. So for you, Evan, it's the miracles, like the concrete yeah. kind of scientific, almost yeah, miracles almost, yeah. that help you see, doesn't God love us and yeah. know us so well. He knows that, that we need stuff like that. Yeah. So for you kind of learning about the Eucharistic miracles has helped your, uh, maturity and understanding in the Eucharist evolve or grow. Is there any miracle in particular that just kind of blew your mind that you heard about? Um, yeah, there was, there's one in Italy about 500 years ago and you can still, the scientists still analyze it. In fact, they did about 30 years ago and it, what it happened during the mass one time and a priest was consecrating the, host but he didn't believe in the true presence of the eucharist right then he was kind of struggling in his faith and so jesus decided to throw him a curveball and make the host actually change into actual flesh and blood and so that made him a little bit surprised and so actually you so you can actually see that today because they have it in a monstrance yeah in lanciano italy yeah lanciano someday someday i'm going there <laughs> Because I don't need the science-y stuff or the, like, yeah. but, man, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it if I can. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Ray? How has your um, understanding of Eucharist evolved over your lifetime? And I can remember I 
unlike Evan here, I went to public school for the first from kindergarten through through second grade, and then in third grade I switched to St. Catherine. So sadly, I didn't have a Catholic education. I was just a PSR kid when I received my first communion, and I really didn't get it. I like I knew that Jesus was there, but like and it really just didn't. I just I don't think I was mature enough really. But um, and then my first time at CYC ever last summer, Catholic Youth Summer Catholic Camp, Youth Summer Camp, yeah, run okay. by um, Dan Demetag, great guy. Um, there was one night where we were doing Eucharistic adoration. We were actually able to go forward and touch the monstrance and just like bow before our Lord and King of the Universe in the form of the Eucharist, and it just like felt like he just like reached out and grabbed me, just like I'm here, like so. There was wake a, up. a physical. Yeah. You had a physical mm-hmm. encounter. Yeah. yeah. And I remember I'm um, also to add, add another Eucharistic minist- um, miracle to um, Evan's little portfolio of scientific <laughs> findings. I forget forget where it was. I think Father might have said in France, our, the Feast of Corpus Christi occurred recently, and our parish priest, Father Dury, gave a really cool homily about this um, this monastery that began to burn down in the middle of Mass. They had oil candles on the altar. Actually, it was during adoration, and it was they had oil candles on the altar. And so the the monster nearly burned down, but then the the altar broke, but the the monstrance remained at the level it was. So it was just floating in midair for multiple hours. Oh, the altar broke and the, fell from underneath yeah, the monster. fell out from under the monstrance. And then 33 hours later, they had placed a makeshift altar under there so that if Jesus decided to come down, he, would, he could come down. 33 hours later... Um, Jesus <laughs> descends slowly back to the altar, and there are multiple, there are like, townspeople and monks and nuns all testified to this, and it's just amazing what Christ can do. Imagine being on that construction crew constructing <laughs> that new altar. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to mess that one up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you think that most Catholics fully understand that Christ is present in the Eucharist? I mean, I know there are statistics about this sort of thing, but but just, and I'm not asking to, to judge anyone's faith, but among your Catholic friends or among people in your church, what what do you think? Uh, generally, I probably would say no because there, there are a lot. I just feel like people have lost that reverence for the Eucharist that used to that used to occur, and they. After Mass, I always see people just hanging out and talking in the church because they don't realize the true presence of Jesus all the time at a church. So I really feel like it's just kind of gone downhill the past years just because of the emphasis on reverence for the Eucharist and always knowing that Jesus is actually there even though you can't see him. So Evan, as your understanding of true presence has evolved, how has it changed your worship experience or your, like, your, your, practice of reverence i guess i think it's me i think it's made it a lot more intimate and i'm always kind of i'm always kind of more observant in in the church because i'm serving at the altar so i'm a lot more i i'm a lot more aware of what's going on and why the priest does certain things and so i think it's just made me a whole lot better at being a altar server and being an example for other people about you evan do you think i'm sorry ray (laughs) thank you evan ray what do you uh do you think most people understand that we're receiving christ in the eucharist or that we're adoring christ in the eucharist well i i think 
I think I don't I agree with Evan that I think it's gone downhill and you can also see that in um not very many people go to confession at our parish. Our parish offers it twice a week. And so either a very large amount of our parish is ready to be canonized in, 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 in the flesh. <laughs> We've got nothing to say. Yeah. a large amount of people are receiving communion either in venial sin, which is fine because it burns that away. But still, you do want to go to confession occasionally. But I, I'm not saying that I'm perfect or anything. I'm susceptible to sin as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are saying are going to communion in mortal sin, which is incredibly sad. You think that's just because they don't know? Uh, or because... Ma- I mean, and it's not a very stressed piece of information, sadly. Yeah. I feel sorry for priests who are preaching in this culture where people don't want to hear anything, you know, mm-hmm. that anything they're doing is wrong. I just think it must be a really, you have to be so bold in your faith to be a priest in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that whenever we have awesome faith-filled teens on this show who really get it and who really love the Lord and love the church and love the Eucharist. I'm sure that there are parents listening who think, how do I get my kid to feel that way (laughs) or to think that way? So I don't know. How how do we get young people to appreciate the Eucharist? What advice would you give to parents who might be listening, thinking, tell me how to get my kid there? That's a really that's a really hard question, actually, because I see a lot of kids whose parents just are just they don't know what to do about that. But I think it's important, most important to have them take their kids to mass, no, like no matter what the circumstances and so that they get that time with Jesus, no matter what, and that they go with as a family so that they can experience God together. And I think eventually, if you also pray as a family, you can have that bond with God, whether you like it or not in the first place. But I think you'll, I think it eventually helps and you grow to love that because you're allowing God to work through you. I I like that you brought in the family element because I say this all the time on this program, but the kids that I encounter who really are connected to their faith are connected because their families are connected. They have that witness from their parents. They have that, um, like church is a fun thing that they do as a family uh, or a lot of times they'll go out afterwards and have breakfast or something, but it's a family event and they make it a, a an uplifting event rather than a drudgery. So I think that's excellent advice. What about you, Ray? What do you think, what advice would you give to parents who are trying to help their kids appreciate and embrace Christ in the Eucharist? I agree with Evan on that. Just get get your take your kids to mass, kicking and screaming and no matter what. But also just, Dan Demite has a really fun word for it. He was a, he's a, he was our youth minister called sunbathing. Even if you don't want to pray, but just go and sit in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. It's a bit of a pun, S-O-N-S-U-N. And just like sit, I honestly, and sometimes I can't focus on praying and I just sit there and just I'll sit in adoration and just like Christ is here. Hanging out with Jesus. Christ is here. The king of the universe is 20 feet away from me like it's just insane yeah like we don't think about that enough have you ever doubted that have you ever questioned the true presence in the eucharist oh yeah definitely because i think everyone does at some point except except for a, a lot of, there's a few exceptions but 
I think especially when you're younger, you don't have you don't have the ability to like is there's a lot of logic and like reasoning involved with that. And so you when I was I remember when I was probably fifth or sixth grade, I would doubt that a lot just because I didn't spend as much time as I do now with the with Jesus. So I didn't really understand it it all the time but i think it has i think it has a lot to do with just not not being there with him and so i remember i used to doubt the presence of jesus in the eucharist i would doubt i would doubt god a lot of the times and so i just started praying more and i think that helped me a lot so you went you can go one of two ways right when you're doubting god you can try harder you can try harder. <laughs> or you can run the other way mm-hmm. and you you went the right way <laughs> Apparently, yeah. and it deepened your faith yeah yeah i think that's a good message for people to hear too like we we can't god doesn't give yeah, up on us because there's a lot of there's a lot of saints even who've experienced dry prayer yeah. and stuff and so that was probably what i was going through i just didn't realize realize it because i remember one i remember someone was telling me uh, that faith isn't just cushy feelings all the time so you have to be faithful even in the dry spells as well yeah have you ever been questioned about the true presence in the eucharist i don't know you both go to catholic schools and i you're can't involved. say questioned but um i i've started i i it's just kind of a weird thing that i do i consider it odd that we genuflect to the tabernacle when we're far away from christ but then when the majority of people at least in our parish i know just bow their head, do the hand receive with their hands when we kneel with at least one knee or two knees when he's exposed on his throne, the monstrance. So I mean, I've begun receiving on two knees. I, I, that's just my thing. I, if you have bad knees or bad hips or something, I do not, <laughs> I do not recommend doing that. Especially unless, on the marble floor. At the mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but just, I'll, I'll occasionally people will be like, why do you do that? And I'll, I'll say, well, it's, christ incarnate why why wouldn't you do that when he judges us on our judgment day we'll be flat in our faces in heaven saying it's god like yeah i always like, like bow it pays it's, off in the end yeah. i always equate it to you know if christ in in a human form walked into the church and stood in front mm-hmm. of us what yeah. would we do you know yeah. Uh, yeah but but again we're people who need tangible Mm-hmm. You know, we are very visual. We have experiences that we can relate to, and and Eucharist can be a difficult one if you haven't. Like Ray, you were talking about how when you touch the mantras, monstrance at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, you felt the physical presence of mm-hmm. Jesus. You yeah. know, if you haven't yeah. had that experience. It can be it can be more difficult. Um, but going on what you were saying, Ray, about how you receive Eucharist, uh, I I wanted to. This was kind of my next question. I think that, or maybe comment, I think that, have you ever watched someone receive Eucharist? I mean, I know we're not supposed to be watching people when we're, you know, but sometimes you watch someone and they, you're like, oh my gosh, that person gets it. That's beautiful. Like to see someone who's receiving Christ and fully aware. Have you, have you had that experience? Yeah. um, I remember, I remember one time there are, um, there are uh, mass. There are masses at Holy Family on Sundays. They're uh, in the Latin right. Mm-hmm. They're old. The old right, and they are. It is the pinnacle of Eucharistic reverence. There, I am not going to lie. They use um, 
everybody gets down on the um, communion rail and receives on the tongue. And they're, I remember I was kneeling next to one guy who was just so passionate about it. You could just tell in his face because he looked so happy, like he was in ecstasy almost. And so I was, I always, whenever I think about how we, sh- how we should have Eucharistic reverence, I always think back to how the early church fathers, how they had reverence for the Eucharist or how they do it over at masses in the Latin rite and mm-hmm. things like that. It makes such an impact. It's, yeah. it's insane, yeah. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Raising Saints on AM 820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt. We're here today with Ray and Evan, and we're talking about the Eucharist. Um, how about you, Ray? Have you ever had that experience similar to what Evan described about... Yeah, my um, I have a cousin who goes to the same parish as me, and it was this was a couple of years ago, and she was receiving on on her knees. I think she actually was dealing at the altar rail, which is kind of uncommon in our parish, and she was just radiant with happiness. Mm-hmm. And she she's been a very strong like faith person and like a faith role model, along with my uncle and some of my sisters and other family members and my parents who are wonderful Catholics. But just she was just so happy. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because for parents who are listening, I think that how we receive Eucharist and how we, you know, and if, if we are taking our kids to adoration and if we, that, that is setting the tone for our kids. That is what our kids are seeing and what our kids will model. Um, and I don't, I think we can all receive sort of distractedly and our Lord knows that and Thankfully, he's a merciful, forgiving, loving God <laughs> um, who won't really hold that against us. But um, it's just it's a good thing to be mindful of when we're trying to um, instill in our own kids just that sense of reverence. Um, we had a speaker come to Church of the Resurrection, which is my parish, a couple years ago. Any Hickman from Adore Ministries. Have you guys ever seen any? I've heard so. any. Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> he's just like a little ball of energy and just a ball of Jesus freak. And he's so fantastic. But he was describing a mass he went to in Kenya where they brought the Eucharist out and everyone was dancing and everyone was singing and everyone was like wailing and, you know, trying to get to the, trying to touch the monstrance like you were talking about, Ray. And they were just like, it was this, it was like Jesus had in human form, walked into the room. That's how people were reacting. And he was telling this story because it, the ne- the punchline was, if you're bored at Mass, it's because you're a boring person. <laughs> he just said it flat out like that. He said, you cannot be bored when Jesus is in the house, you know, and, and not only in Eucharist, but in Word, you know, Jesus is there the whole time. So I wanted to play this clip. Uh, this is Father Robert Barron. Uh, talking about an experience he had at the Atlanta Eucharistic Congress as the Congress was assembling. So this is a good description of people being genuinely thrilled by the Eucharist. I had the privilege last week of speaking at the Atlanta Eucharistic Congress, which is one of the really great events in the Catholic year. About 30,000 people descend upon this arena outside the uh, Atlanta airport. And the whole purpose is to honor the Eucharist. So they hear talks about the Eucharist. And the, um, the Congress begins in an extraordinary way. This giant arena, in the course of an hour, is gradually filled by thousands and thousands of people who march in. They represent the various parishes and institutions of the archdiocese. 
and they come behind their banners. And it takes, as I say, a full hour to fill the place. And there's festive music, gospel music, all sorts of things going on. And then, toward the end, uh, some Aztec dancers came in. There are a lot of Hispanics in the Atlanta Catholic Church. And they were dancing. And then you hear the Aztec drums. Boom, 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 boom. And then the, the music falls silent. And all you hear are the drums. And then comes Archbishop Gregory, Wilton Gregory, who is carrying uh, the host, this huge host in a large monstrance. And he comes up then to the uh, altar. He places the Eucharist there. Then the drums fall silent. And everyone just, uh, for a few minutes, silently worships the Blessed Sacrament. At the inclusion of that, we sang one of the classic uh, Eucharistic hymns of the Church that go back to the Middle Ages. Um, It was a very moving, very powerful beginning to this uh, Eucharistic Congress. And it struck me as a particularly uh, uh, striking way to represent the Church's belief in the real presence. So again, that was Father Robert Barron uh, describing his experience at the opening of the uh, Eucharistic Congress in Atlanta, I love that. I think we should do that every Sunday. <laughs> Kenyan dancers and drums and and then falling silent and you know just mm-hmm. um have you have you guys ever been to like National Catholic Youth Conference or somewhere where it's kind of that experience? Maybe at Catholic Youth Summer Camp they it's similar to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Where it's just all eyes on Jesus and everybody mm-hmm. is in this moment of prayer and reverence. Yeah, I'll just Whenever I'm there, I'll just look around and everyone, everyone is just staring at them. Everyone is staring at the monstrance. And it kind of reminds me of that, uh, that um, scene kind of reminds me of Catholic Youth Summer Camp, actually, because with all the music and the gospel style music, and then everyone is just totally dead silent and focused in, in prayer. Yeah. It's just great. Yeah. Um, Ray, you wanted to talk about uh, a contrast that you've noticed, a cultural contrast. What, go ahead and tell us I about that. I was noticing how if you look, if you even at any retail store, you'll see tabloid saying that Elvis is alive somewhere in Tennessee or wherever they found Bigfoot. And in the Catholic Church, we bring Jesus Christ back to earth nearly every day, daily, like thousands of times daily with all the daily mass celebrated around the world. And it's just the ultimate it's like Christ is alive. Why? That's the, that's a huge story. Yeah. And it just, it's so funny how, well, so what if there's this furry creature running around Jesus Christ, the King of the universes incarnate in a piece of bread. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is the bigger yeah. story here, friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read a quote by St. Therese which this is in her autobiography, The Story of a Soul. She says, Our Lord does not come down from heaven every day to lie in a golden ciborium. He comes down to find another heaven, which is infinitely dearer to him, the heaven of our souls, created in his image, the living temples of the adorable Trinity. I love this quote. I could, I mean, I have spent a lot of time reflecting it's so full of stuff and she talks about the adorable trinity she's not talking about adorable in the sense you know that we talk about puppies or babies you know she's worthy to be adored he's adorable you know and and uh, she used to wait for her confessor to grant her permission to receive the eucharist because she wanted to make sure she was pure enough 
to receive. Every time she received, she wanted to make sure she was pure enough, you know, several times a week. So she just, she, she gets it. She got it, you know, and I, I think so many of us don't spend enough time pondering why Christ returns time after time after time after time in the Eucharist and how he wants to reside within us. Um, our pastor at Resurrection, every almost every day at daily mass, daily mass, he reminds us, you're here receiving Christ in the Eucharist, now go out and be Christ, you know? <laughs> and it's it's such a good daily reminder. It's such a good reason to receive Eucharist every day. But anyway, I don't know. Any reflections on that quote from St. Therese? I know you guys haven't heard it before now. You might... It's pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, I just... I, I've never thought of it that way because... Usually, you don't think about what happens to a person's life after they receive the Eucharist. You just think about, and you just think about the present moment and how Christ is present in the Eucharist, and not really what He does during in that time. But I think it it's really beneficial to a lot of people if they think about that because then they might allow Him to come and change their lives specifically because they're not really thinking about themselves. They're thinking about other people. And that's, I think that's the whole goal of the Eucharist is to, is to allow you to love Jesus more and therefore love other people. More. Yeah. To transform. And, yeah. and so when she says, our Lord does not come down from heaven every day to lie in a golden ciborium. He also doesn't come down from heaven every day just to lie in within us. You know, if we are the ciborium, he comes down from heaven to transform us every day. So what an awesome opportunity. We're going to wrap up with prayer um, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you, Lord, What what how you love us. We can't even fathom your love for us. We can't even fathom the gift you've given us in the Eucharist. We thank you for that with, with all the strength and faith and grace that we have, Lord. We just um, praise you and we love you. Help us to be reverent. Help us to be grateful. Help us to receive Eucharist whenever we can and help us to radiate that Eucharist to people we encounter, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I want to thank Ray and Evan for being here today. You've been listening to Raising Saints on AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt, and until next time, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Raising Saints is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt are available at stgabrielradio.com. Many support a woman's right to choose, but sadly, few know the consequences. The Catholic Medical Association supports your right to know. Medical abortions, which are performed up to nine weeks of pregnancy with pills, are promoted as being safe and something the woman can do herself at home. However, a recent large study showed that women having a medical abortion have a 20% chance of significant complications, such as excessive bleeding, infection, and the need for surgery. To find out more, visit cathmed.org.